Welcome to Talkin' SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analyst around. Now, from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. What's up, y'all? Welcome into Talking SEC. This is your weekly look at all things SEC football, the best conference in college football. I'm your host, Philip Jordan, from the last world on college football, a 96.9 legend in Dothan, Alabama, where I'm the in-studio host and producer of the Woods Football. You can follow me on social media at PJordanSEC. You can find the podcast on Twitter at TalkingSECPod. Of course, podcasts on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you got a topic idea or a guest idea for the show, you can always send me an email at SportsTalkPhilipJordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me this week on the podcast is Bill Ben Sporting News National College Football Writer. And uh, Bill, as always, I appreciate you taking out the time and coming on the show. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, I guess, you know, just starting off, I mean, I, it's kind of like, it feels like yesterday we were worried we were going to have a season. Now that the season is, is over, it's just, it's been a, it's been a crazy year, obviously, college football, crazy year all together, you know, with everything going on, but college football getting through the season, just, you know, as you look back on this season, just, you know, what, what just sticks out to you overall? I mean, we'll remember the good and the bad. It was obviously, um, unlike any other season we've been in between cancellations, between wondering if we were even going to play. Um, you know, but it, it was fun. It was a, a, you know, good finish. I've been asked a lot about recently is, you know, what, what does the ratings drop mean? And I think that's a combination of a lot of things. So, I mean, we'll see where the sport goes from here, but it's definitely some challenges in moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're talking about this Alabama team from start to finish this year. I mean, they were, I mean, obviously they were the best team close out the year, beating Ohio State in the national championship game 52 to 24. And obviously we're, we're, you know, you always like to say, where does this team rank all time when one wins a championship? But when you look at this year's Alabama team, just, you know, what sticks out to you on that? And, you know, and it is, you know, obviously we just saw the game on Monday night, but where does this team, you know, for you guys sit with the all time teams? I mean, it'll be in that conversation, just as the offense, when you have it's one of the most decorated teams of all time. All those guys, all those All-Americans, all those big-time players on the offense, I mean, you'll remember a team that looked unstoppable. And, I, you know, I tell people all the time, High State's loaded with four- and five-star guys. And they were outmatched on, on that side of the ball. Granted, they were missing some guys. But you're going to remember this team is one of the great offenses. It's hard to prop them up against that LSU team from last year because – LSU did the same thing, and I guess this is the new standard that to get a national championship team, you better have a 40-point offense just to get started. Yeah, and you know, looking at the game Monday night, and, and it was close early, you know, 21-17, 21-11, but, you know, it felt like to me, and I was intrigued how you felt about the game as it was progressing, but when Ohio State kicked that field goal, it kind of felt like, okay, the dam may be about to break, and then Alabama went out and scored. For you, when did when did it feel like it really just turned when Alabama just you know really took that next gear and just pulled the game away? Yeah, that was definitely a turning point. But it, it, when Alabama was able to score before half, and then you know, thirty two in the first half, and that that thirty five seventeen lead, the way that Devonte Smith played. Um, he was unstoppable. That was, you know, like uh, 
Saban said afterward, you know, heaven knows how, how many yards he has if he doesn't hurt his finger. And it could have been yeah. 400. It really could have. And to think <laughs> about that and not kind of shrug, just, you know, yeah, he may, have scored, he may have had 400 yards. It was a testament to that offense. And, and Najee Harris was running for tough yards. Nick Jones was flawless. I and mean, one of the things I was surprised at is High State didn't get any pressure on him. And some of that may have been to do with not having those defensive linemen that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, you're talking about Devontae Smith, and that's something for me all year long. I think some people maybe not watch a lot of Alabama, maybe they just see the scores or highlights. They say, oh, well, he's just so good, he just gets open. But I think it's really interesting and really impressive how Steve Sarkeesian this year did just designing plays to get him open. And you saw that in the National Championship game, too. They did different ways they figured out to get him open because obviously the defenses are focusing on him, but just it's really you know impressive you know, with Sark how he did that this year you know, the designs and, you know, making sure they find an opportunity to get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly a wonderful play-calling exhibition by Steve Sarkeesian all season. And, uh, you know, when I talked to Devontae Smith earlier in the year, he said it was the the motions, the shifts, the moving around, um, the way that he did that creatively to create mismatches. And other teams did not have an answer for it all year. And when you have that kind of talent at receiver, which – they didn't have Jalen Waddle for most of the season, and he was not 100. percent Well, I mean, he was he was lipping around during the game, and just a nightmare for defensive coordinators because you got to pick your battles. Mm. Yeah, I, I was I was telling somebody that I said this. I said, you know, you're right. I agree with you 100 on the unstoppable part because you know you mentioned Najee Harris a little bit. It's like okay, you want to play some coverage, they can just turn the ball, turn around and hand it to Najee Harris 20 to 30 times and beat you that way too as well. That's, you know. And his, I all felt like all year Najee Harris, and I think toward the end of the year more people maybe noticed how good he was. But, you know, he was kind of like sometimes it felt like the, uh, the forgotten man, but he was a tremendous talent for them and a tremendous asset for them all year as well. Yeah, and a tough runner. And as he said afterward, it was not an easy game. Yeah, you know, they, I stay hit him, and he earned those tough yards. But a couple of his fourth and ones early in the game were huge. And you mentioned the field goal and you know, Alabama went for it on a couple fourth and ones that really kind of changed the game in a, a lot of ways because when they got in the red zone, they scored touchdowns. And I knew that was going to be the case in that game. Najee Harris played a big role in that. And I mean, even when Ohio State would stop him, it looked like at the line of scrimmage, he would gut out, turn a two-yard run into a seven-yard run, and that adds up over the course of the game. Yeah, there's a couple of hits he took in that game Monday night. I was like, how is he even getting up from there? How is he not? It looked like the defender was, was the one that was taking the blow, not a, not Najee on that. And then, you know, of course, Matt Jones. I mean, I mean, how often are you going to see a quarterback goes 36 for 45, 464, five touchdowns and not win the MVP award? And for Matt, I mean, what, what stands out you with him? And, of course, Alabama, you know, coming off the last two years for this, of course, he had two of there. And the numbers he put up, a journalist, you know, different kind of talent, tremendous talent. We know, you know, you expect him to be good in the pros, you know, down the road. But with Matt, what, what do you see with him, what he operates with the offense? Yeah, I just think the, the poise, the good decision-making, the things that he does there that, that make it possible for them to put up the yardage. I mean, he doesn't have the splash value that uh, Tua does, but, I mean, there was the offense was every bit as good, and that was a striking thing when you're – that good on offense and that efficient and that the way he didn't make mistakes. He made a mistake early in that game 
on the fumble when he turned the wrong way and or he turned right into a blitz and didn't see it coming. And then after that, it was they responded like they said on the telecast. He was telling everybody, "Well, that's on me. Let's go down and score." And it's exactly what he did. So I think it's just his composure and his uh, the way he led that offense was pretty phenomenal throughout the year. You know, you know, you're watching him play. Uh, how, how do you see him, you know, at the next level? You know, where do you see him at with that? That's a big mystery because somebody's going to go in on him. And, uh, you know, with Alabama quarterbacks, sometimes it's hard. I, I'm not discounting anything he did, but we all know load, how loaded guys are around him. And uh, But to his credit, he, he played above that. I, I think he profiles similar to Tua in some ways that he's a good decision maker. He makes makes the right throw. Price throws a little bit better deep ball than Tua does if that's possible. And uh, he's shown that throughout his career. So he's definitely one of those curious prospects at the Combine, and we'll see how it goes. But he's certainly somebody that could definitely have some first-round appeal. It depends on the franchise willing to take a chance on him. I was going to say this about him. He needs, if when he does run, he needs to learn how to slide a little bit better. That's Maybe that's one thing he's work on because sometimes when he runs, it, you know, obviously he don't do it often. It looks a little awkward at sometimes, but, you know, other than that, I'll, I'll be doing that with him. Very, very impressive uh, what he, he's been able to do this year. So you look at this Alabama team, and, of course, this is the, the sixth title with Saban, his seventh overall. He passes Bear Bryant. And, you know, the Bear Bryant-Nick Saban discussion, I know it's there, you know, now that he's passed them as well. But when, when you look at this Alabama team, do you think this was his best team at Alabama? I think it's the team that went through the most. Um, like you said afterward, 11 SEC games, dealing with COVID throughout the season, dealing with the injuries that they had. Um, it may have been his most enjoyable team for him personally, too. And he talked about that at length. So, yeah, I mean, this is a really good squad, a really good group of players, and I would say it's hard to say because his early teams were so predicated on – it's his best offensive team, there's no doubt about that. But a couple of those teams he had early in his dynasty, you know, the ones that were ground and pound and ridiculous defense, if they matched up, I mean, it'd be a hell of a game, honestly. It'd be a really good game watching those two teams go at it. Yeah, it would be. And so I, I know. I guess one thing to look at: it, well, how would they match up if you get Julio? Because you know, of course, they out you know this Alabama defense at times, you know, got you got beat down. But you know, defense is different now than it was back then in the earlier years for Saban. But it would be interesting seeing Julio Jones go against this, this Alabama defense now. Well, he definitely put on certain. So uh, yeah. he was the the really he was a big difference maker in this game too because Ohio State has really good receivers. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson were awesome throughout the season. I know Wilson made a few plays late. I think he's going to be one of those guys that steps up into All-American status next year. And uh, But Sertain makes a difference because he takes away one of those guys. And I know the other talk has been going on, well, what if LSU last year played Alabama this year? Well, they'd probably played a 50 like they did in the game of the century last year. <laughs> And uh, it'd be fun to see, and Joe Burrow and Mac Jones making those good decisions. So it's all fun argument material, but I definitely think that this team established itself as a time under obviously the pandemic of the century. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, I know it's going to be a lot of. I guess a lot of people going to be talking about it. They're out here in the off season and stuff like that, especially the Alabama LSU. 
fans. I mean, already it's already a big rivalry as it is between two programs, and especially the fan bases. So it gives me a little more to argue about. And, you know, I guess I wanted you know before you know I let you go to kind of transition for 2021, this upcoming next season. You know, so it's like okay, as soon as the season ends, we're always looking forward to when the next season start. Who's going to be contenders? I mean, yeah, Alabama's going to lose, you know, Matt Jones. You're going to lose Najee Harris. You're going to lose Devontae. Just lose players like they do everywhere. They always replace. Uh, just, you know, kind of keeping in the SEC first, who, who do you see potentially as maybe Alabama's biggest challenger next year in the conference? Yeah, I mean, they'll have it from every place. I mean, Georgia will be really good. Georgia opens with Clemson. That's a heck of an opener there, too. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't get much bigger than that in Charlotte as far as the – first big piece of the college football playoff puzzle next year. Um, there's some other good games out there. But uh, I think it'll be combination teams. Obviously, Georgia, um, A&M, they're building something there with, with uh, Jimbo Fisher. I think LSU's in for a bounce-back season. And then you got to look at Florida and Auburn. It's still the same grinder. It's going to be tough. Um, but when – how many schools? I think I just listed like six schools that we'll have ranked – and, and five of those teams will be in the top 15, it's never easy in the SEC. Yeah, I guess that adds to the impressive of what Alabama did this year. I mean, I guess on the, as well, going through the conference 11-0. and 0. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people thought coming into the season that the conference was going to cannibalize itself, and Alabama just run through it 11-0 against that, against that schedule. Yep, and, and next year, I mean, obviously that's going to be a talk into future seasons. Will they – increase the number of games, how will that affect non-con scheduling, those kind of things. And I think, you know, you can spend all this time from now, not only looking ahead to the season, but looking ahead to how we can make that season a little more smooth for everybody. It was obviously um, a chore to get through this year, and hopefully the vaccine works and numbers go down and and we get to some sense of normalcy in this country as well. And I think if all those things happen – going to be a fun season next year i'm already like looking forward to it i had to, it took me a day or two to recover and then uh i'm already looking at next year yeah absolutely i guess you know one more thing with next year and then i'll, I'll let you go and wrap it up but uh you, you expect you know every year it feels like now we expect alabama comes to high state to be the, you know the three ones we talk about the most uh who are some teams nationally you think next year i know a lot of people are, are high on oklahoma going next year. you mentioned georgia uh, who are some teams you're looking for next year, you know, to kind of make, kind of jump into that party? Well, I mean, Oklahoma and Georgia kind of stick out as they'll be in the top five probably. Oklahoma with that offense around Spencer Rattler, uh, Marvin Mims, solid running game. Lincoln Riley, they got the win against Florida, and they can build off that. I think um, Iowa State's a team that's very interesting because all their guys came back, Brock Purdy, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, and Matt Campbell built a special culture there. I think they're the one team that could uh, – breakthrough in the playoff party and we'll see if that happens but uh those are the ones that i'm really looking at that uh become very interesting going into next season like you said and i'm, I'm with you too the season ended and i'm like okay let's 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 see what's going to happen next year i'm already already looking forward to it uh, especially when you got georgia and clemson as you mentioned on that opening weekend i mean a lot of eyeballs be on that one that's the championship level football game with those two so it's going to be a lot of fun waiting to the season to get here and build it it's also always fun uh, when you come on the show to talk all things college football, and I always appreciate the time. And if listeners uh, want to follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm at Bill Bender 92 on Facebook. I know we tried to connect earlier there, and I had a I forget what come up that day that made it really busy. But uh, it's good to reconnect with you and get on this podcast, and we'll have to hit it a couple times over the off season, no doubt about it. 
Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I would love to have you on again, and I uh, hope we can do that. And uh, and once again, thanks, Bill, and I uh, look forward to talking to you sometime down the road. No problem. Thanks, Bill. Thank you for listening to Talkin' SEC. Follow Philip on social media at PJordanSEC and the show at Talkin' SEC Pod. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you next time when we're Talkin' SEC.